Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. If you have your Bibles, Nehemiah chapter 4, we're in a series right now called Multiply. We're taking a look, yeah, it's awesome, we're taking a look at discipleship, biblical discipleship, what discipleship means, what it looks like, what it is, what be that discipleship, that's what we're looking at. (laughs) So if you haven't bought the book or got the book um, Multiply by Francis Chan, I would encourage you to get it. It's free online. Uh, You can check it out. There's an app, um, all that, so you can uh, check that out. If you're looking for the online information or the app information, Tim, why don't you wave your hand? Tim knows all about it, so you can see him, but uh, he can hook you up. Anyway, Nehemiah chapter 4, we're going to continue today taking a look at life in the church. What does life in the church look like? And uh, what does it mean to have life in community? So we're going to take a look at it. So, so far, we've talked about what is a disciple. A disciple is a lifelong learner. If you've heard this every week for the past three or four weeks, I hope it's in you. What is a disciple? A lifelong learner, a follower. And so, uh, we are lifelong, committed, lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. We're following Him. We're learning of Him. We're being changed into His image. We're being transformed into His image. We are pilgrims. The Bible says that we are pilgrims, not tourists. We're on a journey. We're on a destination. We're not just along for the entertainment factor. We're being changed and transformed. Amen. And then we took a look at the command to make disciples and what's, what's included in discipleship. What is the components, if you will, of discipleship making? One, it's a relational call to follow. There's a, there's a call to follow after Christ. If you're making disciples, which you should be as a believer, there's relationships that are being formed that God's placed in your life, and you are making disciples. Amen. And the, the components of that is you, you are being faithful. You're faithful to those you're making disciples of, and those who are being made into disciples or who are disciples are faithful. There's fruitfulness. There's the element of being sent out. So we talked about the command to make disciples. And then last week, we looked at the heart of a disciple maker, that our motive is love. What is the motive of your heart? A disciple maker is not someone who's wearing a badge at church saying, I'm the official disciple maker of Celebration Church, and I've got the badge to prove it. No, we're all disciple makers, and our motive is love. It's not for the the sense of success or fulfillment that comes. If you're looking for success or fulfillment, let me tell you, disciple making is not the job for you. You'll be looking into your own strength and your own abilities, and the minute that the person does something that you think is going to condemn them to hell, you'll just melt into a pile of puddles on the floor. You'll look like Olaf in the summertime. (laughs) Because they didn't do it your way. They They didn't do it your way. They didn't follow how you thought they should follow. They didn't smell like they thought you should smell. They didn't look and, and, and do all the right things, follow the right steps, and so, oh my goodness, they're, they're going to hell. That's not how it works. Jesus is responsible for their salvation. I'll say that again. Jesus is responsible for their salvation, not you. 
You speak truth in love. You're, you're speaking the truth in love. You're sharing the gospel with them. You're pointing them to Christ. And it's Christ's responsibility to change them, not you. Yeah. Amen. Today we're going to look at life in the church, life in community. Francis Chan in the book says this, I think it's a great quote, We are self-reliant and self-sufficient, and the kind of mutual interdependence and even submission and accountability to others that the Bible talks about frightens us. I'll say that again. I think that's where some of you are just catching up. We are self-reliant, self-sufficient, and the kind of mutual interdependence and even submission and accountability to others that the Bible talks about frightens us. We don't like accountability. We don't like submission. We don't like, to, we don't like this concept of community where we, we have to, it's, it's not in our carnal nature to rub shoulders with one another and do life with one another and, and get into the deep areas of each other's hearts together. That's not in our carnal nature, but it is in the nature of the church. I said it's in the nature of the church. It is in the nature of redemption. It's written on the very fabric of redemption. You can't erase it. Community is a part of your salvation. And so the sooner that you learn to yield and cooperate with community, the happier you will be, I promise. We are often indecisive, hopping from one church to another, looking for the perfect place and the perfect people. Let me know when you find them, please. <laughs> Many of us have been hurt in the past. By things that have happened to or around us in the church. Anybody? Can I get a witness? Amen. Those of you that didn't raise your hand are lying or you don't go to church regularly. <laughs> you surely don't pastor. That's a pastor joke. Sorry. Many of us have been hurt in the past by things that have happened to or around us in the church, and others of us simply don't see the importance of being specifically connected to a local church. God, God's only, let me say this very clearly, God's only plan is through his local church. There is no other plan. He uses local assemblies, local bodies of people. He's done it for centuries. We see this in the New Testament. There's examples of this throughout the scriptures. That he uses the New Testament church, us, in, in a local body, in a local assembly to impact the world and raise up disciples. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the plan for the local church? Right here, Paul tells the church of Galatia, it's very plain for us, that we are to restore those who are in sin with gentleness, and we are to bear one another's burdens. It's very simple. We are to restore and encourage one another and to bear one another's burdens. There are people right now that are sitting next to you that are facing hardship, difficulties. They are carrying some burden in their life. Do you know what it is? 
Oh, it just got real quiet in here. There are people, I'm sorry, I asked the wrong question. There are people in this room right now that are, are facing hardship. Are you involved in community to the degree where you know what one another's facing and you're in the, in the valley, in the pit, in the, in the mud with them, wrestling with them, praying with them, agreeing with them, encouraging them, building them up, edifying them into the body of Christ, into mature manhood or womanhood, mature spirituality in their life. I'm preaching a lot better than you're shouting this morning. Let me say this again. You and I are called as believers. I'm going to just keep digging. You and I are called as the church, as believers, to walk through life together. We are called to be disciples who are making disciples, which means you cannot escape the reality that you need me. And I cannot escape the reality that I need you. We see this pictured in Nehemiah, and I'm going to get there in a moment, about the importance of, of community in the church. But as I'm, as I'm on this, this topic of going beneath the surface, let's just keep digging. If you wait until all of your issues are resolved before you minister to somebody else, let me know how that goes for you. We are really good as believers at sitting down with one another and they, someone tells us, oh, I, I have a, you know, I'm, I'm having a car issue and, or a money, you know, car issue. My car doesn't run. And, oh, well, let me get you a car. We'll connect them with the car. Oh, but there's a deeper issue there than just needing a car. There might be a financial issue. They need to walk out stewardship. They need to understand the blessing of the Lord uh, on the tithe. They need to understand stewardship in their personal life. Oh, well, I'm having marriage trouble. Well, you need to go read the five love languages and you'll get better. That was a great book. I, you know, Dr. Gary Chapman nailed it on the five love languages. Just go read the book and you'll be okay. As believers, that's not, or that should not be our response. We need to begin to peel back the onion layers, as it were, and say, okay, let's do life together. How can I encourage you in your family, in your marriage, in your stewardship, in your relationship with the Lord, in your work environment? You can address behaviors all day long, but somewhere that heart's going to manifest. You can, you can change somebody's circumstance, change their environment, but until the heart is transformed, that issue is going to come out. And so as believers who are disciples making disciples, we have to get into each other's worlds. Say, well, pastor, that sounds a little messy. I don't know if I want anybody in my world. Usually the issue is not us getting into someone else's. It's more about somebody getting into ours. Well, they'll really know me. Chances are, they have got a good read on you already. We smelled your issue when you walked in the back door. We know what's there. But we're so intimidated by fear that someone's going to judge us or criticize us. Can we just all come to the foot of the cross and lay our issues down and say, we all have issues. 
does it, and I think Celebration Church is a good church for this. I've seen this time and time again, where we can just lay it all at the cross. It doesn't matter whether you're a millionaire or a drug addict. It doesn't matter what, what ethnicity you are or what background you come from or don't come from. We're a family. And it doesn't, it, none of that stuff matters. So let's peel back the layers. Let's take the time. Let's be intentional about going deeper. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus said, To them, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of a man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. So when we begin to be disciples who are being transformed in his image, what happens? We come to church, we we walk out our daily devotion with the Lord, our, our, our walk with Him, we're constantly having alone time with Him, we're pressing into Him, we're in church together, celebrating the Lord together. And all of these times in His presence and His Word and worship and prayer, all of these things cause our issues to begin to bubble to the surface. I like to say they start burping out. You say, well, that sounds rude. Well, sometimes that sounds very crude. Well, sometimes it is very crude. The issues just, there they are. They start bubbling to the surface. Pride issues, anxiety, fear, worry, attachments from the past. All of these things start coming out. And our natural tendency is what? To run as fast as we can. But let me remind you, that's not how our redemption began. Our redemption began not by running from, but running to a place of repentance. Our redemption began not running from conviction, but embracing it, saying that the Lord loves those whom he chastises. So, so when the Lord causes things to bubble up, our response is not to shut down and to internalize and push people away, keep people at a distance. And sometimes those of you who are uh, high I personality in the rooms like to tell everybody everything. Those of you who are like me like to shut down and internalize. Then you got the others in the room who want to tell everybody everything and share everything to everybody. You got both extremes. Can we just agree that the biblical response is that we need to find ourselves lost in the presence of the Lord and find a brother and sister who will hold us accountable and begin to encourage us and challenge us to walk in what Scripture says in our life? Does anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? Amen. So let's go a little bit deeper. Let's press it a little bit deeper. Romans 8 says, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So this transformation happens by the Spirit. Living together in community, transformation happens by the Spirit of the Lord. You can't change a person's heart. The minute you start digging around in somebody's issues, the first thing our natural tendency is to do, we want to change them, and you can't. But you can encourage, you can speak the word, you can build them up, you can listen. I find a lot of times as a pastor, most success in, in counseling or encouraging situations is just listening. 
Not listening to respond, but listening to understand. How can I understand this person? I want to become, I, I, I'll say this in, in my head. When I'm listening to someone in my office or in a situation, I'll say this in, in my head. How can I become an expert on this person today? I want to know what they're thinking. I want to know what they're, they're feeling. I want to hear. I want to become an expert on them today. And so that requires me to shut off my brain, my judgments, my criticism, and begin to tune into the Holy Spirit and tune into them. Listening. And I, I, can, I, can I just keep going? If you look at Jesus' discipleship, Jesus spent more time asking the right questions than he did telling them what to do. I'll say that again. It's a powerful concept. With If you can learn to ask the right questions, sometimes that's all you need to do. You don't have to always tell people what to do. What is, what is Jesus speaking to you about that? What does Scripture say about that? How would living that Scripture out look in your life today? If you were to live that Scripture out, how would that look in your life? What would be different today and tomorrow if you were to live that out? Five years from now, what would your life look like if you were to live that scripture? If you were to look like Jesus in that situation, what would it look like? You know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Okay. Apparently, I'm dating myself. In Nehemiah chapter 4, we find the example, great example of life and community. Nehemiah is rebuilding the, the walls. How many of you remember Nehemiah? Nehemiah's name means comforter, counselor. He's a great picture of the Holy Spirit. He's coming in, and, and the, the Jewish people have been in Babylonian exile for about 70 years, and they've come together, and now Jeremiah is saying, let's rebuild the city, rebuild the walls that have been torn down. Jerusalem is destroyed. Let's rebuild at the same time that Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls, you have Ezra who is rebuilding the temple. And between Ezra 6 and 7, you've got a, a, a time gap. And right in between those is Esther. So Ezra, Esther, and Nehemiah all right there together. is all happening simultaneously, all at the same time frame. And you've got Malachi. How many remember Malachi at the end of the Old Testament is prophesying during this time frame. So just to give you a historical background of what's happening in this season. Right now, Nehemiah is building the wall, and we pick up in verse 6. He is, he's come against some, some enemies. He's facing some enemies. Some people are starting to talk about him. Can, can I tell you that people will always talk about the church? People will always talk about you. They don't understand spiritual concepts and realities in your life. And so don't be surprised when they conspire against you. Don't be surprised when the enemy tries to stop the work of God. Don't be surprised when others will speak evil against the church to stop the work of God in the church. Don't be surprised by that, but let it fuel you all the more to the things that God's called you to. Can I get an amen? I... I have learned in my life when people start talking about me, it just it, it starts turning up the fire just a little bit more. Okay, you said that's impossible? Watch. My God can do the impossible. You don't think I'm equipped? You're right. I'm an idiot. I don't know a thing. But Jesus does, and his strength is made perfect in my weakness. So I'm trusting, fully relying on him. Watch what God will do in this situation. 
And verse 6, so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. Underline this phrase here in your Bible if you do this. I do and I have it underlined. For the people had a mind to work. That's so powerful. That's a, that's a great leadership quote. That's a great ministry leadership quote. I mean, that you just you can take that and go so many different ways with that. Continue, verse 7, now it happened when Samballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites, and all the other ites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. The enemy will never like it when the plan of God progresses in your life. Don't lose hope. God's going to see it to the end. God will see that plan and that purpose brought. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. If someone is running their mouth about you today, just don't don't even start trying to seek vengeance about it. I know you want to give them five-fold ministry right square in their mouth. And you want to teach them what it looks like to keep your mouth shut. I get it. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He'll bring it to pass. He'll finish his work in your life. Verse 8, and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. The enemy comes to create conspiracies and to create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God. In spite of all this, we made our prayer to God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to rebuild the wall. You know, isn't that true that the enemy will get us to focus on all of our rubbish? Isn't that so true? The enemy will get us all of the confusion and the conspiracies. All it does is to get us focused on the rubbish of our life. You, you, if you take a look at your life, there might be today an ash heap of rubble Broken down walls, broken down emotions, let downs, hurts, regrets, failures, things of the past, conspiracies of yesterday. It's a pile of rubble. And what the enemy wants to do is get you focused on the rubble, not on the rebuilding. If he can get you distracted by all of the issues, if he can, if he can distract you with sin, if he can distract you with the rumors, if he can distract you with the conspiracies against you, he'll get you focused on the rubble instead of the rebuilding that's happening right now in your life. God is rebuilding and restoring your life brick by brick. Brick by brick, he's restoring your emotions. Brick by brick, he's restoring your marriage. Brick by brick, he's restoring your life. Brick by brick, he's restoring your family. Stop messing with the rubble and get busy about the rebuilding. Watch what God will do. Amen. Uh, We'll just keep going. Verse 13. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set people according to their families with their swords, their spears, their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, I love what Nehemiah says here, and this is where where I'm going to draw from today. Do not be afraid of them. I, I, I feel like I need to say this a little bit more. Do not be afraid of them. Oh, come on. 
I don't know who them is in your life, but do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Man, doesn't that just stir something on the inside of you? Don't be afraid of them. (laughs) Remember the Lord and fight. And lose your voice. Go out against them. We'll rebuild the wall. Don't stop. A couple of things I want to point out. All that was just my introduction. Now I'm going to get to the real message here. Number one, the people had a mind to work. Life and community. We have to have a mind to work. In other words, can you say unity? We have to come together in unity and be willing to work. We have to lay aside our differences. We have to lay aside our, our issues and begin to engage about the business to which God has called us, disciples making disciples. Psalms 133, how blessed, how pleasant, how blessed, how pleasant. What? When brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the oil that runs down. There is a commanded blessing, life, life forevermore. There's eternal life. There's joy. There's peace. There's the blessing of the Lord on those who live and dwell together in unity. Just a couple of keys to how to live in unity. One, you have to live in forgiveness. Let go of the past. Sometimes I find in church that one of the obstacles to living in unity in the church is oftentimes not even what's happened in the church you're at. It's carrying around weight from other churches and other issues, things that you've carried into the present body that you're currently a part of. Or things that happened 50, 60, 70 years ago that people in the church today don't even know anything about. And the only one that is hurting is you. Nobody around you even knows a thing about it. And the, and the church that you left, they definitely don't know anything about it. Because you left. And most of the time, people leave church and don't even address their issues before they go. How do I know? Because I'm a pastor. One of the comments we always tell people when, when they're changing churches or coming in, don't bring your issues. If you have an issue, you need to go forgive and make it right before you come here. I don't want to have to deal with your unforgiveness because I promise you it will surface. So you need to deal with your unforgiveness. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Don't. You can't hold it back anymore. Sorry, I'm not a Disney singer. Forgive. We love you. The people around you love you, but you will keep us at a distance. You will keep everyone around you at a distance until you forgive. They might hurt me. What if it happens again? Need I go on? We've all been there. We understand. The second component for unity is mercy. Another word for mercy is forbearance. Mercy, having mercy on one another. Understand that everybody's got their quirks and their issues. We are not all like you. (laughs) and you are glad you are not like me. We all have our issues. We all have our idiosyncrasies and hang-ups, and we've all gone through life and, and have developed issues. And we're being changed and transformed from glory to glory. 
I'm not the same person I was yesterday, thank the Lord. And who I am today is not who I'm going to be tomorrow, thank you Jesus. I'm being changed and so are you. So have mercy on me and my weakness. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. So just have a little bit of mercy. Forbear with one another. And then thirdly, have hope. I think the other key ingredient to unity is hope. We have to have a, we have to have a confident. The Bible describes hope as a confident expectation of things to come. When you have a confident expectation of something that's to come, you're able to lay aside, you're able to operate in mercy when you know that the end result You're able to forgive one another when you see the end result. You're able to move past whatever's happening in the here and now when you see the end result. When you see through the eyes of faith and have hope of what's to come, that Christ has made us a body of believers that are being built just like the wall was being rebuilt. We are a body of believers that are being built into a tabernacle, a dwelling place of the Lord. And so we can have hope that that God is at work. He's building His house. Amen. The second thing that, that Nehemiah addresses here is that they need to have courage. Do not be afraid. Have courage. Joshua, you're going in to take hold of the promised land. Be strong and of good courage. Courage is defined as strength in the face of pain or loss. To have boldness, to have grit, to have valor. Reminds me of Gideon. Gideon, mighty man of valor. What was Gideon's response? He didn't, he didn't roar out the macho man response. Ooh, you know, look at me. Hear me roar. No. His response, what was it? I am, my family's the weakest and I am the weakest of the weakest. That doesn't sound like a man of valor's response, does it? And yet God used him in such a mighty way as a judge in Judges 6, if you go and read his story. Some of the keys about Gideon's life. The angel of the Lord, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. God sees what we cannot see. Even to the point where Gideon was recorded in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, We wouldn't have started out by saying, Gideon, you need to be the man listed in Hebrews 11 in the hall of faith. You're the man that was hiding out in the wine press. You were running for your life. And yet God chose him to do incredible things. Have courage. Courage in the face of loss. Courage in the face of pain. Courage to face what God has set before you. Having courage means having having fear, but being determined to act in spite of that fear. When you have courage, you understand that there's fear in your life. You have emotions. You're looking the enemy straight face on saying, yep, I have a lot of fear right now. I'm not sure I want to go out and face them. But oh God, perfect love cast out fear. And so I, I put my hope in your love. I rest assured in your love today. I can have courage. Your love makes me courageous. Courage is fueled by spiritual passion. There's a passion on the inside of you that drives you. A passion for the Lord. A passion for His presence. A passion to see what He's promised come to pass in your life. 
God has spoken over you. He's given you a word. He's given you a promise. He's, he's put his presence upon you and in you. He's sealed you with the, with the seal of redemption. Allow the passion, as Paul told Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Stir up the fire of God that's on the inside of your belly. Allow that, that spiritual passion to take hold of your life. You're determined and encouraged. You're determined to, to keep on moving in spite of adversity. You're determined to keep moving instead of adversity, instead of succumbing to the adversity that surrounds you. You're going to keep fighting, keep moving. You're willing to step outside the, the comfort zone. When you have courage, you're, you're willing to get outside of the box of your comfort. When you have courage, you're willing to step outside of your box of comfort and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this hill for the Lord. I'm going to see victory in my family. I'm going to see victory in my church. I'm going to see victory in, in my city. And it's, it's okay if it looks a little bit different than what I'm comfortable with. It takes courage to do something that's a little different. It takes courage to say, I'm going to step. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? It takes courage to step outside of the box and do something that you've never done before. It takes courage to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. It takes courage to open up your mouth and share the gospel with someone when you've never done it before. It takes, it takes courage to cast those devils out. It takes courage to put your hands on people and see the power of God in their life. It takes courage. But you begin to operate in the courage of the Lord. Don't be afraid, Nehemiah told him. Don't be afraid. Have courage. When you have courage, you're willing to face persecution with faith. It doesn't matter what people say or think. It doesn't matter when the enemy inspires conspiracies against you. It doesn't matter when people talk about you. Hello? doesn't matter. Your life is not evaluated based on someone else's opinion. Let me say that again. Your life is not evaluated based on someone else's opinion. When you get to heaven, God is not going to stand there and say, let me ask so-and-so's opinion about what you did. Okay, now I find you faithful because they, you passed their test. Let me see what Facebook says about you. I... I Let's put aside the Lamb's book of life for a moment. Let's see what social media says. No, God's not going to do that. My life is not evaluated by what people think of me on Facebook or social media or the news or anything else. My life is evaluated by Christ alone. He is the plumb line of my life. He is the one that will evaluate my works. He is the one that will evaluate my salvation. My confidence, my courage is in Him. So don't allow what others say and their opinions to distract you. We're the church. I said we're the church. It's time we act like it. I said we're the church. It's time we act like it. We've allowed the opinion. Man, I'm stuck on this. I've got something's gotten, as they say in the south, in my crawl, and I'm not letting this one out. (laughs) There's got stirring on the inside of me right now. We've allowed as the church the opinions of others to determine what we preach yeah. and what, how we live. Well, we, and listen, it's even to the point of how we do church. I'm sorry. I don't care what you think. Yeah. I, when God comes in the door, I want to know what he thinks. Yeah. 
I'm thankful for you, but what we do is not for you. It's primarily for him, and then he'll take care of you. I don't need to give you examples. I think you know. I thought of a few, though. (laughs) Be the church. Be the church. We have life. We have power. We've been given authority. Not authority from an earthly king. Look at me. You have been given. I'll look at the camera so you can see my eyes. You have been given authority. You are an ambassador of Christ. Live like it. That doesn't mean that you carry yourself in an egotistical way or prideful way or whatever. That means you walk in humility, but those who are humble before God have confidence with men. You can have confidence to know that when you lay hands on that sick person, God's going to do something. You may not see it in the immediate, but God's at work. There was a seed that was sown that's going to produce fruit, I promise you. When you speak the word of God, there's a seed that's sown and that's going to produce fruit. You may not see the harvest in this life, but your job may not be the harvester in that person's life. God may send someone else. Have confidence. Don't allow the world to steal your joy in the Lord. You delight yourself in Him and walk in the favor and the blessing of the Lord. Have courage. Be the church. When you see someone that's lost, have courage. Who cares if they don't like you? They're going to hell. You're on a mission. I'll say that again. They're going to hell. You're on a mission. Have courage. If firemen went and stood at a house that was on fire and just walked around and said, well, I don't know, I, I might get burned, I might get on, I, I might get, I don't know, I might, I, you go. No, you go. No, I'm not sure if I'm going to say the right thing or do the right thing, you go. And they all stood around the fire truck talking about how they might someday go in and put out the fire and rescue the person on the inside. They might not ever put out the fire and they might not ever rescue the person. You have a commission from heaven. Stop playing around the fire truck and get in the burning house and rescue the dying and the lost. Have confidence. Have confidence. Have courage. I may go in, and they may not like me. I may go in, and they might kick me out. I know it sounds silly. Their house is on fire, and they're running me out. But we all know the reality of that, that not everybody's going to see the spiritual reality of where they're at. But nonetheless, we go. We lay hands on freely we've received, freely we give. Amen. Have courage. And then he says, I love this, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord great and awesome. Remember the Lord when I think about his goodness. (laughs) 
That's, I just, I hear it. When I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, when I think of his goodness and how he set me free, I want to, woo! <laughs> I want to shout. I want to dance. When I think of his goodness, start meditating on the goodness of the Lord. What has he said? What has he spoken over you? When I've, I've been redeemed, I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. My name's been written in the Lamb's book of life. I have a covenant with an eternal God who doesn't break his promises. Somebody needs to just dance this morning. I've, I have. I have a promise of his second coming. I have a promise that I'm going to hear a trumpet sound someday. I have a promise that I shall not die, but I shall live. I have a promise that I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. i got to encourage myself in the Lord. I've got to encourage myself in the Lord. i got to stir myself up. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Tough on you, devil. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. David found himself in 1 Samuel in a, quite a predicament. The women and children were gone, and the people wanted to stone him. And what does it say? David strengthened. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. I will remember the works of the Lord. I will remember the word of the Lord. God, it's not myself that called me to do what I'm doing. You placed your hand. I remember. I remember the God of that Goliath moment when I stepped out onto that battlefield and I saw that giant and all I had was my five stones and I saw that stone go flying through the air and nail that giant in the air and I cut off his head and rolled it right up in front of Saul. I remember. Remember the God of that moment. I remember the God with the lion. I remember the God with the bear. I remember the God that rushed upon me when Samuel poured out his oil upon me. I strengthen myself in the Lord. I remember the word of the Lord. I remember his promises to me. It wasn't my works, my doing. God has called me for such a time as this. God placed his hand on me for this day and this hour. Life in the church. Listen, we got to encourage, we got to strengthen one another in the Lord. We got to strengthen one another in the Lord. I don't know what you're facing or what you're going through, but remember the God who called you and placed his hand on your life. Remember that day when the anointing of heaven came pouring over the top of your head and ran down to the soles of your feet. My God, remember the day where the joy of the Lord began to stir up on the inside of your belly and began to flow out of you. Remember the day where he led you by his peace. Don't get stopped by life circumstances. Don't get stopped by the conspiracies of the enemy, but strengthen yourself in the Lord. Hallelujah! Woo! I might take off running in a second. <laughs> Woo! 
Woo! Jesus. <laughs> the apostles continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The apostle, my, my microphone's getting messed up. I'm getting so happy. <laughs> the apostles continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued to encourage and strengthen themselves in the word of the Lord. We serve a living God. So we serve a living God. Your situation may not be changing the way that you want it to change and how you want it to change and when you want it to change. But our God is still active. He's still alive. He's still living. And he's still in control. He's still ruling all things by the word of his power. You say, well, those are good, those are good Bible verses, Pastor, but you're not where I'm at. You're right. I'm not where you're at. But I'm strengthening you in the Lord. You've got to get your eyes off the rubble and get your eyes on the rebuilding. You've got to get your eyes off of the situation and see through the eyes of faith. Well, Pastor, you don't know what's going on in my body. You're right. I may not know all of the details, and hopefully by, by after today, somebody will be in your life because we're talking about discipleship and getting in the nitty-gritty with one another. And somebody's going to be in all those details, and they're going to walk through that pit with you and say, be strengthened in the Lord. I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm going to see you through this. You're going through marriage issues. We're going to walk through this together until you get whole. You're going through addiction. Bless God. He can make you every bit whole. I'm, I'm believing that that addiction is going to be broken off your life. This is what the word of the Lord says about this. And this is what you need to do. You need to get rid of that stupid computer that you keep looking at stuff on. And the word of the Lord says this about this. We're going to see you made whole. Oh, that's good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> Just don't tell me how you get rid of my computer. <laughs> See, we're good when it's up here, but when it gets in here, uh-oh. We're good when it's on the platform, but when it's right here, mm-hmm. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Focus in on His Word. Stand According to his word, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living on the inside of you. <clears throat> I said the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living on the inside of you. So you've been saying that a lot today. Yeah, because you need to hear it. The same spirit, the, the very same power that broke the power of death off of Christ. This very same power that broke death, broke the stronghold of the grave. I don't know if you hear what I'm saying this morning. The very same power that flowed into that tomb before Mary and Peter and John got there. That very same power that flooded that tomb that said, Get up! is on the inside of you. He's still saying, Get up! Walk in power. Walk in courage. Do not be afraid because of them. See, I have put my words in your mouth, Jeremiah. That same God, that same spirit that inspired scripture, that same spirit that moved on the waters of the face of the deep in creation, that same spirit when Jesus passed through the wall in John 19 and breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. That same spirit that was on the 
day of Pentecost that baptized them, that immersed them, and they began to speak in other tongues, worshiping God. That same spirit caused fire, little flames, a fire burning on each of them. That same spirit that came as a sound of a rushing mighty wind, that same spirit that was present on the day in Cornelius' house when all the Gentiles were gathered together and Paul was preaching and the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. That same Spirit Peter, Paul, they were all there. He's on the inside of you. I want you, I want you to turn to somebody right now. I want you to tell them what the Lord's doing in your life. Just, t- just tell them something you're thankful for. Just meditate on the Lord together. Let's meditate. Just tell somebody. Just take two minutes and tell somebody there by the goodness of the Lord. Just tell them. Two minutes. Just say, hey, the goodness of the Lord this week has been. The goodness of the Lord. Just tell somebody. Come on. Let's meditate on the goodness of God. <coughs> He said, he said, do not be afraid. Remember the Lord great and awesome and fight, fight for your family. Number the last one I want to say is that you and I as the life of the church, the community are called to fight for one another. It's not a day and an hour to lay down your weapons of prayer, your worship weapons. It's not time to lay them down. It's time to pick them up in full strength. God has called you to intercede on behalf of your brothers and sisters. It's time. Oh God, where are the intercessors in our day? Where are those who will rise up, who will step up and grab hold of the altar, who will grab hold and not let go until they see breakthrough, until the blessing of the Lord comes and breakthrough comes in our church and and, and the families of our church and the people of our church. Hello. Fight. 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 When we get together, you worship. Your worship is warfare. I'm not talking about coming in and saying, I'm going to pull it all down. I just want you to worship. When you praise him and the beauty of his holiness, it confuses the enemy. All they, all they, all Jehoshaphat did was praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. His choir didn't go out singing, I trampled down this, I pulled down this, I break this. No, praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. And, Praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. I'll worship Him in the beauty of His holiness. And the enemy was set to confusion. Their plans switched over to confusion. They switched off of, I'm going to annihilate you into confusion. Now I'm going to annihilate myself. That's what your worship does. 
It breaks the power of the enemy. It breaks the power of the enemy off your life. You're no longer magnifying your rubble. You're busy about rebuilding. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Worship Him. Fight. Fight. Fight for one another. I will not let you go to hell. You're going to hear the truth. You may not like the truth, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you in love, but you're going to hear the truth. I'm not going to idly, passively sit by and let you just slide down the slippery slope. I'm not going to sit idly by and let you just slide down slippery slope. I'm going to pray. I'm going to open my mouth. Well, that makes me uncomfortable. It should. It should. It should make you uncomfortable that you've got a body of believers in your life. It should make you uncomfortable that there's somebody in your life who's going to speak the truth in love, who's going to hold you accountable, who doesn't want you to fall down that slippery slope of destruction. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads to destruction. You can go down that path. You can walk the line of compromise. But friend, you're getting close to a slippery slope, and the body of Christ is a place of life where people will pull you off of that line of compromise. Should be. No, it's never fun to hear we go to those who are hurting and broken and we fight with them. Someone says, I don't have the strength to pray. Oh, believe me, I have the strength to pray, and we're going to pray. You may not feel like praying. You may not have the ability to pray in this moment. But I will pray. And we're going to inter- intercede. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray till breakthrough happens. I don't feel like worshiping. Then get yourself around somebody who does. Come sit right up here in between these four ladies. That's what we call a Holy Ghost hot seat. They will put you right in the middle. And I promise you'll feel, you'll feel something. We all go through those times. Am I the only one? We all go through those seasons where we don't, we don't have that strength. We don't feel the strength or the faith. We don't see. And we need to be encouraged in the Lord. Someone who's fighting alongside of us. That's why you and I were not called to do this alone. We need our brothers and sisters to encourage us. Fight with us. Hallelujah. Fight. I don't know about you. I've been encouraged in the Lord today. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.